and I covet your prayers as we attempt uh, to to minister. Now, there's uh, there's been an awful lot already said about grandparents today, and uh, we've done a lot of things regarding that. And um, some churches don't even uh, do anything to recognize that, but we have done that. Uh, the message that I have, have um, going to deliver today is um, has nothing to do with grandparents, but uh, it is a word that I definitely received from the Lord that I want to share with you today. I'm going to carry you to the book of Mark, um, St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 17 through 22. Uh, Mark chapter 10, 17 through 22. This is a uh, familiar uh, uh, passage of Scripture. Many of you who read the Bible will recognize this uh, Scripture. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Mighty gods, we come to you today. We thank you and we praise you, Father, for the opportunity to be in your house today. And now as we, for the next few moments, come into your word, I ask, Lord, that you will speak to each and every one of us. Let us receive what you want us to hear right now, because this is the time to hear your word. Help us to receive it right now in Jesus' holy, mighty name. Let the church say, you can be seated. Glory to God. As, as a pastor, it is one of my desires to see to it that everyone who, uh, who comes, amen, to receive something from the Lord is able to receive what they need that will press them on closer to God and lead you more so into the Holy of Holies and in the presence of the Lord. And so this message today, I have used this uh, scripture many times, but I'm taking it a little bit different. And you pray for me as we preach today on a subject titled, Being Willing to Let It Go. Being Willing 
to let it go. There's a lot of people who never make any kind of growth or inlet into the kingdom of God for one simple reason. There are things in their life they simply just can't let go. Amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. Serving God is not just all rejoicing. Serving God is not like living every day a party. But living a Christian life, folks, is a demanding life. Hallelujah. There's a lot of cheap, easy believism today. There's churches on every corner, amen, with pews packed because everybody's given a feel-good message and say, well, just come on, we're all going to have we're going to have a love feast. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. But I, w- I want you to understand, nowhere in the Bible, none of the disciples, Jesus himself, hallelujah, never gave nobody that intention. You've got to understand something, amen, that the Christian walk with God is a demanding walk. Hallelujah. Now, Every one of you that is here today, if you work for somebody, you work for a company, a corporation, and you bec- you become an employee of that incorporation, they've got they're going to give you a paycheck, but they got some things that they require of you. Come on, I mean you got when you go to, if you go to work tomorrow, there's going to be some things that whoever you work for is going to demand from you. And so, do we think we're going to come in, into the kingdom of God? Amen. With just a carefree attitude, thinking, oh, man, we're just free to do what we want to do. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If you're a real child of God, you're going to understand something. There are things in the Word of God that God demands of you if you're really going to be His disciple. Hallelujah. When you follow the life of Christ in the four Gospels, you will notice that Jesus loved to use illustrative stories, parables to teach by. He took common situations from everyday life and turned them into spiritual teaching points that his listeners could relate to. Hallelujah. I can't get up now. I've, I've got a lot of stuff in my mind that I've studied and I've picked up on down, down through the years. And... Um, some of them $45 words I learned in Bible college and a, and a bunch of other stuff like that. But if I get up here and I dump all that stuff on you, it's not going to do you any good. I've got to bring something to you that you can relate to. If you don't relate to it, you're not going to be helped by it. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of preachers who need to learn that today. Hallelujah. I don't get up here to put on a show to do me any good. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to be helped by the Word of God. And Jesus, he used parables to teach by. He took common situations from everyday life and turned them into spiritual teaching points that his listeners could relate to him. He was a master illustrator. But the story we have just read here in Mark's gospel 
is not a story at all. Now follow me. It's not a parable or a clever illustration. It is an actual occurrence which happens to Jesus during his earthly ministry. And it left such an impact on the disciples who witnessed it that Matthew and Luke both also wrote about this account in their life of Christ. You read Matthew's gospel and you read Luke and Mark. Amen. This account of what happened to Jesus, all three of them wrote about it. Now, the message which speaks out to us from this sad, and yes, it was a sad encounter, is that any seeker of eternal life who desires to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord must. Look at somebody sitting close to you and tell them must. If if you are a seeker of eternal life and you desire to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord, you must release everything else, amen, they hold to. If you're not willing to let go of everything else, you're wasting your time being here this morning. You're wasting your time sitting on that pew. You're not going to get nowhere with God. Hallelujah. That's one of the demands that I was talking about a while ago. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 of his gospel, he said, Jesus, he records Jesus saying, No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. If you think you're serving other things besides Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ and this, or Jesus Christ and that, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Nobody can serve two masters. You can't be devoted to Christ when other loyalties have your attention. Hallelujah. So this encounter of Jesus and the young rich man was not an isolated event. Everyone throughout every age of time, follow me, please listen to what I'm saying. Everyone throughout every age of time who has desired to embrace Jesus Christ for the sake of obtaining eternal life has faced the same dilemma head on. And what am I referring to is this, being willing to let it go. Hallelujah. Being willing to let it go. Everybody who has ever come to God in any age, in any epoch of time, has always encountered this. This kind of divides the men from the boys right here. This right here decides where somebody's going to go on for the Lord or they're just going to surf around. Because you've got to have, you've got to make this decision. Are you willing to let it go? Now, as we investigate this encounter between Jesus and the rich young ruler, there are a couple details which merit our attention, and that's what I'm going to mainly talk about uh, this morning. Number one, you can see when you read this story 
This man relied on his good works. Hallelujah. He relied on his good works. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. This is what it said. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Notice this. It didn't appear that he had any pride going on here. Even though he was a, he was a ruler. Come on, I mean, he was somebody in authority. He was rich. I mean, so he, he had a certain status that he had attained. Hallelujah. But when he come to Jesus, he kneeled to him. He got down. He humbled himself. And this is what he said. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, when you compare this version with the account of Matthew's writing of the same uh, situation, something really jumps out to you. Now, let me stop and say before I read this in Matthew. Some people look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they'll notice that the same story a lot of times is told a different way. A little more is added, some little taken away. And people who don't want to believe the Word of God will let the devil put an excuse in their mouth and say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. No, you've got to rightly divide the Word of Truth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them sat down to write a historical account of the life of Christ. Amen. And each one had their own perspective and their own viewpoint, amen, about what they wrote about. Amen. And there's nothing that conflicts whatsoever if you understand it. Now, let's read just a little bit of Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, one came said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Notice the repeat of the word good. Good master. Good, what good thing? Now, Matthew adds that good part there uh, when he said that good master, what good thing shall I do that I can uh, inherit or have eternal life? Notice something, folks. Jesus immediately confronts him on his use of the word good. Why do you call me good? This young man seems to be preoccupied with this thinking, which indicates to me there was a strong Pharisaic influence in his life. And Jesus picked up on it, which led to the way of the Lord replying, there is none good but one, and that is God. In other words, let's just break it down a little bit. Young man, you haven't approached good down here on this earth. 
Come on, somebody. You ain't approach good on this earth. The only good is not on this earth. It's above in the heavens. God the Father himself. Your good deeds don't make you good. Hallelujah. Your good deeds, your good works do, do not make you good. Uh, you should have heard this name. Of, uh, um, well, I knew it and I don't forgot it. Hallelujah. But um, Jim Jones. Jim Jones, if you study his life, I've read his book, I, I watched the movie about him. And you'll find out that Jim Jones did a lot of good works. When he started his church, People's Temple, they opened it up and they fed hundreds and hundreds of homeless people, gave people meals, did all kind of outreaches and all kind of good things. I mean, this man helped a lot of people. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. Jim Jones, Brother Bobby, even though he did some good things, he was not a good man. If he was a good man, if he really had a good heart down inside, he never would have led 969 men, women, boys, and girls to commit suicide. Come on. Hallelujah. A lot of people got the false assumption just because somebody does something good every now and then, that makes them good. How, let me tell you something. Amen. I'm sure that the man who recently died in prison that had all the murders done, old Manson, there was some times that he does some things that people would consider good. But that's one of the first things God wanted me to share with you today. Just because you do something good don't make you good. Hallelujah. Amen. It goes deeper than that. You see, this young man, this ruler, he had some influence of Pharisees in his life. You could tell that by the way he was saying, what good master, what good thing can I do that I can have eternal life? The Pharisees taught a strong emphasis on obeying the law and doing good works. That is how you please God, they taught. That is how you work your way into heaven's majestic halls. But the scriptures bring a rude awakening to those of us trying to achieve the so-called good status. Psalms chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's see what it says. Amen. Psalms 14, chapter 2 and 3, uh, verses 2 and 3, rather. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Wow. That lets us in for a rude awakening right there. For those people think that doing good, amen, is going to uh, make it all right. He said, they have all turned aside. 
they have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now listen to me right now. Let me make this point, then I'm going to move on. For in your heart is corrupt and sinful. Doing good works or deeds won't make you good. That's tight, but it's right. If your heart is corrupt and sinful, doing good works or deeds will not make you good. This rich young ruler had been given the wrong solution by the Pharisees in his day. So that was his approach to Jesus. That's, how, that's the only way he knew how to approach the Lord. That's what he had been taught. That's what was all around him. So he approached Jesus that way. Good master, what good work can I do that I can have eternal life? But you know what happened? Jesus did a Barney Fife on him. Anybody know what I mean by that? Jesus nipped it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it. And that's what Jesus, why did you call me good? There ain't nobody on this earth ever had the right to call himself good except Jesus. But he, he didn't go that route because he knew that young man was thinking faulty. And there's a lot of people try to approach the Word of God and try to approach the kingdom of God the same way with faulty thoughts because they have been influenced by people not really being led all the way by God. Come on. Amen. It's the truth. So I said there was a couple points that we needed to discuss about that. That's the first one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Number two, he had a hidden love. This rich young ruler, he had something hidden in his heart. And Jesus encountered uncovered it. The encounter with Jesus uncovered it. When Jesus began to quote the law of Moses by reciting the Decalogue, the young man in pharisaical style replied, well, I've kept all of them from my youth up. But Jesus quickly uncovers two commandments the young man had broken. And he probably didn't even realize that he had broken them. I'm going to stop and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, there ain't a man or woman in this place who hadn't broken some of the Ten Commandments. Every one of us in here, we've broken them. Hallelujah. This man was trying to tell Jesus he had, he had followed them all. But Jesus thought of something different. And let's, let, let's, let's just break it down a little bit. The first commandment concerning loving the Lord and the, commandment, the commandments are loving the Lord thy God with all your heart. And then the word, uh, and then the commandment also said that thou shall have 
no other gods before me. And after he said that, he said, don't, don't make any graven images or idols. That's two commandments that this young man hadn't achieved yet. He didn't love the Lord his God with all his heart, and he had an idol in his life. He had an idol in his life. Follow him now as I go a little bit further. Now, Jesus, when this young man said, well, I have kept it. The first commandment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and have no other God, uh, gods or idols, this means his God was his wealth and his possessions were his idols. Did you hear what I said? This man's God, hallelujah, this man's God, amen, was his wealth, and his possessions that he had were his idols. Now, Jesus wasn't rude and crude to the man by calling him a liar. So evidently, evidently Jesus must not have been apostolic. Because I know a lot of apostolics all that. Oh, you're a liar, buddy. You got idols in your life. Ain't it amazing how apostolics just want to jump down people's throat? I believe, I believe the apostolics are the ones Jesus was talking about when he said, get the beam out of your own eye, then you can see this, uh, clearly get the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I can talk about apostolics because that's what I, I am. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus wasn't rude to the man. He wasn't crude to the man. And let me add one more thing about that. You really want to win somebody to the Lord? You can win them a whole lot easier with sugar than vinegar. Come on. Even Jesus turned the vinegar down when they offered to him on the cross. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's go just a little bit further. I ain't got very much farther. Jesus wasn't rude and he wasn't crude to the man by calling him a liar. He looked at him with love because he knew the young man had been misled. Hallelujah. Jesus knew this man had been misled and said, one thing you like. Notice that. He didn't call him a liar. He didn't tell him, well, yes, you have broke this commandment or you have broke that. But he the way he worded it. A lot of times, um, Brother Kyle, we may be speaking truth, but the way we word it, we can run, kill somebody or run them off rather than get them in. Hallelujah. Jesus said, well, there's one thing you lack. One thing to do if you want to keep all the commandments. Mark chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. Let's see what it says. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. You want to win somebody to the Lord? You're never going to win nobody you don't love. Hallelujah. You've got to love people. You've got you you to have the knowledge in your heart that you know that just, just as sure as there are golden streets in heaven, 
there's fire and brimstone in hell. And I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. I don't care what they've done to me. Because once you're there, there's not no going back. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. There's not no going back. Let's, let's continue reading. Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. Think about that. Hallelujah. Think about that. Verse 22, And he was sad at that sin, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. That's why I told you at the beginning this was a sad encounter. This man, he was a man who came face to face with Jesus, something that a lot of us would love to have the privilege to do physically. But yet, when Jesus told him what he told him, he bowed his head, he was grieved, and he walked away from the Master because he was not willing to let it go. He was not willing to let it go. What about you today? Is there anything you can't let go to follow Jesus totally and without reservation? Some people have jobs that keeps them away from Christ and thus will eventually keep them out of heaven. But they love their job more than they love being with Jesus. Some people has got family. That's a hindrance to them. They're not willing to let family go. They're not willing to do that old camp meeting style song we used to sing years and years ago. Back when I first started out in those tent revivals. Well, I'm on my way. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way to Canaan's land. I'm on my way to Canaan's land. Oh Lord, I'm on my way. If my brother don't go, I'm gonna journey on. If my mother don't go, I'm gonna journey on. If my daddy don't go, it won't hinder me, cause I'm on my way. There's a lot of people more devoted to their family than they are to the house of God. There's a lot of people that blood is thicker than the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. But you know what? When God raised me up a long time ago, I made that decision. And God has blessed me for making that decision even though it tore my heart out. He laid his anointing on me. Hallelujah. When it was gut-wrenching to walk away from what I had been brought up in, what I had been taught with my family. But God was calling my life. 
He was calling me. And I had to be willing to let it go. So, what about you? What is it in your life that you can't seem to let go this morning? What is it, even though you've been in church for a while and you've, you've enjoyed some of the blessings of God, but you're still not where God wants you to be or where you could be because you've got some things you can't let go some people can be honest about that, and some people can't. There was one lady one time, I was talking to Brother Douglas about this just yesterday. We were, we were talking yesterday, and there was one lady brought up in Pentecost. No, nothing else but Pentecost. And when I was trying to get her to come to the house of God, because she'd been out for many, many years, and she's still out. She said, Brother Sammy, I'm sorry, but I'm going to just tell you like it is. I just love too much to take a drink every now and then. And I ain't going to start going to church until I'm willing to lay that down. She couldn't let it go. There's a lot of people got a lot of things that they can't let go. But I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Just what is it you can't let go that has more value than your soul? What is it Let's all stand. There's a song. It came to me while I was praying.